Well, good morning, Center Church. It is so good to see you. My name is John. I'm the campus pastor here at the Center Church. If this is your first time, we're really glad that you're with us. And uh, we have a special guest with us today who I'll introduce in just a moment, but I'll let him sit in awkward silence for a couple more minutes. And uh, they didn't think that was funny either. <laughs> we're listening, John. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, so... Anyway, uh, happy Mother's Day to you if you are a mom in the room. Uh, we're excited for you and glad that you're with us today. We've been journeying for the last couple of weeks through a series called Unexpected and asking the question, do you need a miracle? And all of us, if we answer truthfully, would probably say, yeah, there's something in my life that I really do need God to break through on or I need to see his goodness or his wisdom or his provision in a certain area. And so week one, we talked about the fact that a miracle really is your deepest need met with Jesus's unlimited power. And then last week, Pastor Brian talked us through what it means to live a life that says yes before how and living a life of radical obedience and not always knowing the answers, but seeing God do miracles in that. And today we want to journey through a story in Mark 5 of a guy who is doing all the right things. And yet as a dad loses his daughter, and Jesus is late to the party. He asks her to, to be he, for this girl to be healed, but ends up dying because Jesus takes his time and heals someone along the way. And Jesus ends up doing something miraculous in the midst of the story. But I want to, to bring my friend Jeff, and if you don't know, Jeff is the founder of Never the Same, which has a, a whole bunch of ministries, but one of those you may be most familiar with is Never the Same Camp. Some of you students have been there, parents, you've sent your kids off for at least a week to NTS camp. And some of you have prayed and supported students to go to NTS camp. And so a lot of fun things happen. And Jeff and I have known each other for a long time, uh, but primarily most of our best memories, at least, are from NTS camp. Would you agree? I would agree with that, uh, for yeah. For the most a, part. The most statement. safe memories that I can share with you. A <laughs> uh, couple pictures of us at NTS camp. Number one, there's a bunch of the team comps there. Uh, Jeff and I enjoy basketball, so we've shared the court at least once oh, back boy. in 2012. I beat you, I think, but I won't talk I about it. it. But, so that, that was a good memory. That was fun. There's one more, and this is us last year camping out at Chick-fil-A on 28th to get that free 52 meal. So <laughs> Jeff is the uh, wise, or maybe there's another word, person who invited me into this. So Yeah, that was, good. that was a good memory. That was a good. A lot of peanut oil was consumed in yeah. that weekend. Uh, so that was pretty fun. But there's been so many moments spiritually where... Jeff has spoken into my life, and so I said, man, as we think about Mother's Day and parenting and family and even this story, I can't think of anyone better to share with our community than Jeff. And so um, with that being said, Jeff, share a little bit of the story of, of how NTS came to be, maybe how camp came to be, all that, and then maybe how God has done the unexpected in that. Yeah, well, it's good to be with you guys. I've been tracking with this church for a long, since the beginning, so some of you guys have been here for that long. And I just live a few blocks from here. So I'm a part of the Byron Center community. And, uh, and just, it's, it's a privilege to be here. It's, it's, uh, just want to say a couple things up front. I'm really proud of, of your pastor, uh, seeing him grow as a leader and more importantly in his faith journey. And, uh, it's, it's an honor to be here. And, and I, and you know, when you're, when you're a pastor, especially a youth pastor, you're, you're almost like a father to, to a lot of these students. And I feel I feel that connection with John, and so I'm just really proud of the work that you're doing and excited for what's happening here and what's happening in our community. For those of you that live here in Byron Center, God is, God is uh, positioning this little community, as we know, to really expand and grow, and I think that gives us some, some great opportunities into the future, and I'm excited. When I, when I think about that, I think about the churches and the ministry and the kingdom work 
that, uh, that, that, brings, uh, that comes with that growth as it, as it brings that in our community. So I think for all of us, we should be considering in these days as members of this community what we can do to be a part of reaching a lot of the people that are literally moving into our neighborhoods. So, um, so the question was our ministry. We, we celebrate our 20-year uh, mark of having NTS camp uh, this summer, which is was just quite a feat when you knew the early days and how it just uh, started with a group of friends. And I was thinking in preparation for today that that NTS was started with me and another friend named Darren, and we started it with the heart of a pastor for our students. But over the years, I would say that definitely uh, the last at least 10, it's been shaped more by the heart of a parent just as much as it's been by a pastor. And we think of it in terms of what is it like as an experience as a family and as a parent to have students in this incredible environment where they can meet with God. And let me just say, I I say this to everyone whenever I travel and talk with leaders publicly, privately, that, that as a local congregation, your investment into the next generation is, is strategic on so many different levels. And it's really important that you continue the investment. I know for a fact that happens here in this congregation. But sadly, a lot of congregations around the country don't have the foresight and the vision to understand why an investment is important. And when, when parents send their students to something like NTS or other experiences particularly that, that connect to their relationship with God. It's, it's strategic in terms of that financial and time investment because one of the things that we all face today is uh, time and money seem to be more and more scarce for a lot of us. Maybe I'll just speak for me. But, uh, but what we do to, to create space for our students to go and to have this place away from home to meet with God is really important. So over the years, when we were singing those songs today, um, you know, you've never failed me and you do the impossible and you make a way. That's really the story of our ministry because I started uh, almost 10 years ago, the organization Never the Same, on my own, by myself, with a, a homemade desk, a chair that was given to me, someone that gave me a, a place to, to have an office, and some friends pitched together and bought me a laptop, and that's how it all started about 10 years ago. And God's been so faithful to us over uh, the last 10 years to see what he has done. And I believe one of the reasons why God's favored us is because we've, we've done the best we can to stay true to his word, teaching the truth of his, the timeless truth of his word, to, to talk about things like prayer, to help uh, do our best to invest in local churches that send their students. So it's really been a miraculous story over the last 20 years. And, and we believe the best is yet to come, that God's doing some great things. And uh, we're excited about the future. I love that. And be, as a student, getting to be a part of that was really powerful in my own faith journey. Talk about or maybe share one or two stories for us that as a parent, as someone who would send their kids or as, as a parent yourself, you have three daughters, how have you seen God do the unexpected, maybe even through NTS Camp or Claimer Campus or some of the things that you've been a part of over the last 10 years? Yeah, the, we, we, there's a lot of things that we say internally that we may not say externally that you're going to hear today in our organization. But one of the things we talk about is how powerful moments are. And moments really matter. It's one of the things I say a lot is that moments matter. 
And, uh, and when you think about moments, I, I was challenged when I was in seminary to think about some of the, the highlights in my own life. And I would encourage you to think for a second. If you could go back in time and you could think about your relationship with Christ, what are maybe your top 10 moments that you've had with God? And I've asked this to hundreds of people. Tell me about your moments. Tell me about a moment in your life. I remember thinking of a friend who, he was mowing the grass, and he had a moment with God. I think about times for me, maybe when I was driving or in a, just a normal every weekend church service like this, and God just grabbed a hold of me. But what we try to do the best that we can as a ministry is to create a space for students to meet with God. And often people ask, well, are you, would you, what would you rather have? Would you rather have students there that don't know Christ as much, it's more outreach to outside of believers, or do you want more believers there? And, or, you know, what, what's your target? And we say it's actually everyone. Our target is we believe that when someone enters into the presence of God, no matter where they are in that spectrum, they are changed. And uh, we were talking earlier this week, but there was a student that came to our camp last year. He's from the uh, Washington, D.C. area. And his, he's in seventh grade, and his father uh, passed away on Saturday, and the camp, NTS camp, started on Sunday. And I heard about this either the first or second day of camp, and his name was Landon, and Landon was there at camp. His father had just passed away a day before camp started, and his mother thought that it would be good for him to, to get away from all that, that that was going on in their family. He had already been scheduled to go and thought it would, be, it would keep somewhat normalcy for him. And so that was her judgment call. She had him go to NTS camp. And uh, you're going to see, I think we have a picture of Landon here. Um, and Landon is the little, little guy there on the left. And Landon um, that week gave his heart to Christ at NTS. And we think about the, the way that we are able to surround him. I remember talking to him a couple times, and, and you know, he's, he's seventh grade, and so, um, you know, the best he could, he was trying to articulate what had happened in his life back home, but what was amazing is, is that he gave his life, uh, if you could put that picture back up just for a second, and then on the right, you see Isaiah. Isaiah's from his same church, and Isaiah came to NTS in seventh grade and gave his life to Christ in seventh grade, and Isaiah came up to me during the week and said, hey, I want you to know that my moment at camp in seventh grade is still real today. He had just graduated high school last summer. And so what was really incredible, other layer to the story, is that Isaiah had been investing in Landon's life. They both had, had issues with their fathers. And so Isaiah had already been walking alongside Landon and, and helping him in his faith. And now with this decision, they really bonded that week. And so there's all these layers that happen when you're, when you're at NTS. Um, and, and I was saying to someone just the other day how, and I definitely cannot take credit for it, but, but God just does something unique at this experience. I can't describe it. I can't explain it. Some of you families here maybe have gone. And this isn't, this isn't a big infomercial for NTS, but I think it's just the fact that uh, parent. let me talk to you that are parents for a minute and say that, Strategic investments in your students, especially at very speci in specific windows of time, are really important. I'm speaking as a parent here. I have a 22-year-old, a 19-year-old, and a 14-year-old. 
And, uh, and we know that there are windows of time, especially when you get later in your parenting years, and, and some of you parents with older kids, you know what I'm talking about, that uh, you just get these little windows and you better take advantage of them. And I, what I encourage parents is find moments to invest in their spiritual lives. And whether that be NTS camp or retreats, trips, whatever it is, I know sports and band and all that are really important and those are good too. But sometimes those, the moments with God get left at the expense of investing in these moments with God. And, uh, and let me tell you, it's worth it to, to do that. Jeff and I were talking about this story in Mark 5. If you have a Bible or a device, I'd encourage you to get there. Mark 5, 21, uh, a story about a, a parent who has an interesting encounter with Jesus. In Mark 5, 21, here's what we read. When Jesus had crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. Jairus is, is a good guy. He's a, he's a leader in his community. He's a religious person in their, in their town. Jairus is, is doing the right things. And he pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Now, it's important the word dying is not dead, okay? Just make sure you mentally note that. My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. What's happening in this scene is essentially Jairus is asking for a miracle, I mean, picture yourself in the story. Your daughter's dying, and you know, you've heard that this rabbi, Jesus, has been going throughout your region, healing people, raising people from the dead, and you say, I've got a deep need, and I think Jesus has at least limited or maybe even unlimited power, and so I'm going to reach out. And Jesus, on the way to that, ends up healing someone else. And if you skip down to verse 35, listen to what we read. While Jesus was still speaking... Some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, from the, the moment before. Your daughter is dead. Think about the weight of that. You had asked Jesus, this rabbi who was healing people, to come to your house and to heal your little daughter, and she dies on the way. Your daughter's dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. This was customary. When a, a girl would die or someone would die in the family, you'd actually hire people to come cry for you, which seems a little bit bizarre. But in this community, this was a massive loss. This little girl was a massive loss, not just to Jairus, but the community. Skipping ahead, verse 39. He went in and said to them, while this commotion and wailing, the child is not dead, but asleep. Like any of us would, verse 40, they laughed at him. I mean, they, they knew she was dead. The, the smell probably started to come out of the house at that point. Like there, there was some significant time that was passing between when Jesus had first been requested by Jairus and when this conversation is taking place. After Jesus put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Now, this isn't resurrection language. Talitha kum is like, rise and shine. Give God the glory. Like, this is good morning. Like, it's time to go to school. Like, it's that very casual because Jesus was doing the miraculous. And for him, this was no, this was not a tough thing. He, he was in the miracle business. Verse 42, immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. 
He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this, and he told them to give her something to eat. The thing that strikes me about that story is how simple that whole interchange is and how easy it was for Jesus to, to do the miraculous in Jairus' family. Yeah. Jeff was a parent, and as someone who has kids and has journeyed in ministry for a long time, how, have you, how do you connect with the story? The story is so powerful because there's a lot of contrast in the story. And as parents, and all of us can relate to this whether you're a parent or not, but there's times when we have to, we, we are desperate. I'm thinking of a friend recently who's, who's very well off financially, who has no financial needs, will never have financial needs for the rest of his life, and, and uh, all of a sudden contracted this unexpected disease about six weeks ago, and there's no cure for this. He's been to the Mayo Clinic, and walking through this dear friend and, and thinking about uh, his desperation. We've been keeping in touch. We've been praying together. And whether you're a parent or not, think about when you're the most desperate. This was a synagogue ruler. He was a person that was very highly respected, probably would be a person that would be on the skeptical side of faith when it comes to Jesus and who he was because he was a part of the establishment as far as religion and faith. But he came to Jesus, says that he fell at his feet. He was desperate. I think, first of all, I noticed there's a, there's a desperation that he has. And, and you all know what we're talking about. There, there are moments when we get desperate and we need a, a, a savior at that moment. And that's what was happening here. And so there's this, there's a contrast of, of him as a religious leader and yet literally coming and it says he fell at his feet to this wandering teacher who was part of this, you know, the outside of what he was used to, to seeing and believing, but he was so desperate, he's willing to do anything. And as parents, sometimes we can feel that desperation, can't we? We can say, I really don't know what to do. My kids are in a situation where um, it just feels hopeless. And I think the other part is the contrast of him, Jesus walking into this house, and as John uh, let us know that it was customary for people to, to wail and to weep, and, and there are some cultural things behind that, but, but there was chaos. It says, you know, he walked in and there was commotion into the house, and Jesus walked in with a calm. So in the midst of all that chaos of that house, Jesus walked in very calmly. Now, I know that um, for some of us here, we may have inherited the spiritual gift of worry. Do you know what I'm talking about? When you can just sit up and worry about things. And I heard someone say once, and when it comes to worry, you're actually going a place that God can't go because you're going into a false reality. And I always remembered that, that, that God... God doesn't live in false realities, and that's really what worry is. It's a, it's a reality that we start to conjure up and think, well, what if, and then what if, and then what if? And uh, I happen to know someone, I'm not going to say who it is, but they live in my house that has the spiritual gift of worry, and it's not me, if that gives you any hint. And uh, so all the time, there, there's, there's, uh, a place for, there's a place for concern there's also a place for faith and for calmness. And so whatever you might be going through today, I just want to encourage you that um, you need to remember that God's got it. And that's a simple thing. But, but there's no greater hope for me than to know that in the midst of some of the, the chaos of life, 
that God's got it, that he's in control, and that I can release my worries. You know, the scripture says that we are to cast our care in him for he cares for us. And so when we just give him our worries and our, our cares and our burdens, the things. So Jairus here was in a, was in a complete impossible situation. Now, I'm the fourth of four boys in my family. And uh, my brothers were all quite a bit older than me when I was born. We had the same parents. My brothers were 20, 18, and 16 when I came along. So my brothers would say I was an accident. I would say I was more of a miracle <laughs> and a gift from God to all them. Um, but, uh, <laughs> and I remind them of that all the time. But, um, but two of my brothers went wayward for a good portion of their life. We were raised in a, in a household of Christian faith. My dad was bivocational high school teacher as well as a pastor. And so faith was part of our fabric. It was part of the DNA of our family. And two of my brothers, up until they were both in their 30s, just walked away from faith. Um, one was very adamant about it. He explored other religions. He got into heavy drugs. He was just very, just very open about his rebellion to the way he was raised. The other one was more quiet. He was the one that I, that I was more worried about, actually, because in his quietness, he, he wasn't really adamant against Christianity, but he was just kind of like, eh, you know, very, just didn't care, very apathetic towards faith. Um, and I remember many days going to bed and hearing my dad, seeing him on his knees by the bed and hearing him pray for my brothers, and sometimes with emotion and sometimes with tears. And I could tell you that as I've gone back and I was able to have some conversations with my parents about that, that um, there were times when, when it just seemed like they would never come back to faith. And I tell parents all the time, um, if you keep praying for your kids, that will make a difference. And if you keep believing, that will make a difference. You know, Jesus here said to Jairus, don't be afraid. There's so much fear in the world. There's so much fear for all of us in the situations that we're facing. You might be facing something right now and you go, I don't even know how this is going to work out. But I can tell you that if Jesus were here, I would almost guarantee you would say, don't be afraid. Don't let fear take over um, your, your faith faculties. Don't let fear come in and just steal what God's going to do in the process of this seemingly impossible situation in this mountain that needs to move. Because I've seen God do incredible things as a parent myself. I remember... Uh, one time, uh, we took our kids to Pizza Hut, and uh, this was back when they were really little. I don't think our third was born yet, and we were at the Pizza Hut on 44th and Kalamazoo, if you know where that is, and uh, I don't know if it's still there, but they had one of those big gumball machines. You know those big ones that you put the cord in, and then you see it come down the little spiral thing, and so uh, our oldest, Olivia, we put a quarter in. She wanted a gumball, and it came out, and I think it was blue, and she wanted pink, and she got really upset. She was probably like four or five years old. And, um, and so, um, and she said, well, I wanted a pink one. And I don't know what, what got into my wife, but Arianna, she was like, well, if you pray to God, he knows, your, he knows your heart and he'll give you a pink gumball. And I'm thinking, and you're gonna destroy her faith like right here and now, she's five years old. Don't do this, tried to intervene. But she just said it in faith. She goes, if you believe, You'll get a pink gumball. 
And I'm like, well, I want to see this. So she gave her another quarter, and she stopped, and Olivia, as a five-year-old, prayed right by that gumball machine and said, God, I want a pink gumball. And she put in a quarter, and a pink gumball came out. I was like, wow, we just saw a miracle right here in Pizza Hut. That's crazy. But God does the big and the small, but we got to trust him for everything. And, and if you're like Jairus, if, if, if things look bleak and hopeless, um, I can tell you, I've been through a lot as a parent. I will tell you that, that it will work out. You just keep believing, you keep praying, you keep have faith to what God wants to do. That's so powerful. Uh, one of the areas that I've got to witness some being with you in youth group, journeying through you with ministry. Lindsay, my wife, works for Jeff. Um, I've just seen miracle after miracle happen in your organization as a whole, but almost all of those were connected to fervent prayer and committed prayer. And I think, you know, as parents or just followers of Christ in the room, prayer is one of those tricky things that it's kind of hard to figure out. Yeah. And sometimes you feel like you got it. Sometimes you feel like, I don't know what I'm doing. Sometimes it hits the ceiling. Sometimes it maybe breaks through. Like, talk to us about how You've seen the supernatural, God do the unexpected. When it comes to prayer, maybe some encouragement around that. Prayer is, it's worth giving your effort to practicing and understanding. And I will tell you that. Um, 10 years ago, 11 years ago, when God put a call in my life to help see student-led prayer in every middle and high school in America. That's one of the things that we're chasing after. It's called Claim Your Campus. We, we want to see a student-led prayer group in every middle and high school. Let's want you to stop and think about that for a minute. There's 67,000 schools in America, public, private, charter. And if there's a prayer group, if there are three students meeting every week for prayer, every day of that week, there'd be 15 students praying in every school. There'd be a million students united in prayer. We have the technology to make it happen. And when God downloaded that dream... God said, I want you to lead this. And I said, I made all these excuses. I don't know anybody. I'm not good enough, whatever. And God said, no, I want you to do it. And I said, I am far from the man I want to be when it comes to prayer. And God said, I will make you a man of prayer. I remember him whispering. I remember feeling that and sensing that. Now, 10 years ago, if you would have said, hey, describe a person that's really passionate or into prayer, I would have said either they're really old or they're really weird and many times they're both. That was my experience. People that were into prayer were, were old, weird people generally. And so I thought, well, man, do I want to be that oddball? And I said, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And if that's what I want to be a man of prayer, I just don't want to be a weirdo. And God began to really put his hands and form that part of my faith and life 10 years ago. And, um, and, um, and that's been an incredible journey. I've seen God do so many things um, when it comes to prayer. My encouragement to you with prayer, a lot of times we think, well, I need to spend you know, hours and hours and hours. I think time spent with the Lord is good, but I think it's more just a communion. It's a walk. It's a partnership. I, I could stand before you and give you lots of different definitions of prayer for you, but, but none of them would be adequate because prayer is so much more. And and when God gives you something, uh, hold on to it and keep talking to him about it. Keep seeking him. If you've had experiences in your life where you really thought you wanted something, 
So if you're younger here, if you remember when you were little, if you wanted a toy and you wanted that toy so bad and you thought, I'll do anything to get that toy. If you're a little older, maybe if, you're, if you can remember your dating years and you go, oh, if I could just date that person, if I could just have that person on my arm, you know, then, then I'd be totally happy. Or, you know, if you're a little older, it might be a car or a house or a career, whatever. We're always looking at those things and thinking, ah, if I could just, it's a little out of reach, if I could just have it. But have you ever experienced that when you get that, then all of a sudden it's not what you thought it was? And I think sometimes when we pray, we're, always, we're praying for things that we think we want so bad, but then we realize when we get it, or if we don't get it, we go, God, thank you for not answering that prayer the way I wanted you to answer it. Does that make sense? And I think the thing that I would say to you about prayer, when it comes to praying for your children, when it comes to praying for your life, when it comes to you praying for this church and the community is do the best you can to walk with the Lord and try to sense his heart and what's happening and try to, try, to, try to look at the things you're praying about through the lens of faith and what God really wants. And if you can do that, um, incredible things will happen. And I want to tell you that uh, one of the things I was talking with Steve here uh, about, one of the things that we're, we're uh, really going for next year, we want to do an event. And I want you to know about this as a community. I want every school and Byron Center to be represented at this thing we're doing called Claim Your Campus 2020. We want to have 10,000 schools together next summer, July 4th, gathered together to equip students from 10,000 schools from across the country to go back and to pray, to share their faith, and to serve. And our goal to do that is to accelerate that movement to get prayer in every school. But this weekend, next summer, July 4th, we want to gather about 100,000 students from around the country, right in the middle of the country in Kansas, for a weekend to mobilize them to do this. It will feel like a festival. You know, 50 years, uh, it will be this August when a little thing called Woodstock happens. What's amazing to me about Woodstock is that even 50 years later, people know about it, they recognize, they remember it, even though, like I'm talking with middle schoolers that know about Woodstock, and, but the, the, the effects of it are still happening. There's, the ripple is still happening from Woodstock 50 years later. What would it look like if there was a similar type event that was focused on faith and students, what kind of effect would that have on America? So to do that, we, God gave me that vision about 10 years ago, and we waited and waited and waited, and a couple years ago we started moving forward. We needed, uh, we needed about $900,000 to do this, to get it off the ground. That's the kind of money I, I'm not used to raising. We're not really a fundraise-based organization. Um, and so when we started doing this, it was like, all right, well, we need people to give, but I don't know where that's going to come from. And a year ago, in May, just a week, 53 weeks ago, we needed about 190000 by the end of last May. And 53 weeks ago, we had zero. And I fasted and prayed for two things last year. During this time, I fasted and prayed that God would show us what we needed financially with that. And I prayed for my daughter who was going to college and she could not decide for life or where to go to school. And so I fasted and prayed for a couple weeks for both of those things. At the end of those two weeks, now I told my daughter, listen, by this date, you're going to decide where you're going. So my prayer is like, by this date, you better be, you better be sure. Um, but on the other side, I said, God, we need your provision. And in one day, on the National Day of Prayer last year, 2018, 
we brought in unexpectedly $260,000 just when we needed it. And since then, we've raised uh, almost all of that amount by God's grace. And I'm telling you that because it looked impossible and God had never done that before. And you may be up against something you go, this is like, I'm off the map here. This is uncharted. I don't know what's happening. I don't know where we're going. I don't know where my life is leading me right now and where God's taking me. Listen, parents, you know, students, all of us, it doesn't matter if it's unprecedented or not. God, the part of the miracles is is him doing the unprecedented. So if you need a miracle right now, which probably if we we're all honest, we all need a miracle. If you need a miracle right now, trust God to do what he's never done before and then watch him do it. And prayer is just that, that acclimation to what God's doing and to be a part of, of where he's going and where he's leading in your life. We could just end. <laughs> Put the mic down and walk out. I think that is so powerful. And I've just as a testimony to you, if you don't know Jeff as well as I do, is that that's been your story personally, just seeing God do the, the unexpected, the miraculous over and over again. So I hope that you feel encouraged. I asked Jeff as we close and kind of move into a time of response, um, if you would pray over us and pray over us as individuals, as parents, as families, that God would do some of those miracles that you're praying for right now and to pray and intercede for us. So would you pray for us? I would. And I would ask right now, if you... If you, have a special, if you have a special situation in your life that you'd say, I just really need prayer right now. I need God to do something, and I'm maybe feeling a little hopeless about it. I'm just going to ask you to be bolder for a second. Just raise your hand. I'd like to know. I'd like to pray for you. anyone here that's in that situation. I'm seeing some hands here. Very cool. All right, let's pray. Father, we, um, we take courage and hope from your word today. When we think about what Jairus experienced when he heard those news that your, your daughter's dead, Father, he was in a situation that he'd never been in before. And as a man of faith, I'm sure he wondered, how is this possible that my 12-year-old little girl is gone? He was faced with the impossible, and yet Jesus entered into the room with such calm in the midst of the chaos and spoke truth. And Father, we thank you for this, this story in Scripture that reminds us that it doesn't matter where we've come from, it doesn't matter where we're going. God, we, if we're walking in faith and obedience to you, Lord, then you're going to protect us, you're going to guard us, you may take us through things that are tough, but Lord, there's always something better on the other side. And so, Father, for my brothers and sisters here this morning that might be going through something where they're feeling the strain, they're feeling the hopelessness, they're feeling um, like they don't know where the answer is going to come from, Lord, I think of that old song from the 70s that Jesus is the answer, that you are the answer, that you are what we need, that you are the solution. So, Father, for those particularly that raised their hands this morning, I'm praying that for them today. They would find hope in you to know that you truly are the solution. And, Father, for this congregation that stands in this community that is on the verge of, of so much promise and growth, Father, would you do the miraculous here in this congregation, Lord? May, may you take the lid of faith in this congregation and remove it and help us to believe in the things that you want to do.
There's lives that need to be changed. There's marriages that need to be mended. There's families that need to be healed from their brokenness, Lord. There are eternities that need to be settled. And God, would you give us a vision as a part of this congregation and community for changed lives. We live in a, in a community that sometimes we, we carry the guilt and the shame and the fear in secret. God, bring it out in the open so that we could see you do the miraculous, the things that only you could do. And God, we'll give you the glory for it because you're the God of the miraculous. You're the God of the unexpected. You are the God of miracles. And so Lord, if we've never experienced that today, Help us to trust you in the uncertainty to know that you'll do what only you can do. And again, we will be the first to point to you, to say thank you and to give you glory before you and before others that they may see what you're doing and glorify you as a result of our lives. So Father, we thank you for your word again today, this moment of worship in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we thank Jeff for being with us and sharing? Today, um, I'm going to invite you to stand up on your feet right now. Stand up as we respond. Um, I don't know where your story is right now. I don't know spiritually where you're at. You may be just exploring faith, asking questions, skeptical, and that's great. I'm really thankful that you're with us. Or maybe today you're a mature, devoted follower of Christ and your life is fully surrendered to him. I don't know, again, what step you need to take today in response to God's word. Uh, but someone already took a step this morning, uh, their next step in faith. And uh, Lexi Title, who some of you know the titles, they've been a part of our church forever. And uh, such committed people, they serve so well week after week. And um, it's been my privilege now to baptize half of their kids right here at the Center Church, which is pretty exciting. It's an honor for me to do that. Uh, but Lexi got scheduled to work during our church service and she was planning to get baptized. And we talked back and forth yesterday. She's like, what do I do? I said, you know what? Baptism is not a production. It's not something we do just to show off or, or make our service feel better. Uh, baptism is a step. It's a next step for many of us, a, a step of obedience. And once we surrender our lives to Christ, we get baptized. That's just an immediate all throughout the scriptures, there was not months or years that went by. It was repent and be baptized. Repent, turn from your way, and go under the water of baptism. And so we got to baptize her this morning during sound check, which is a first for me. But it was really powerful to watch. And we want you to be a part of that in case that's your next step. And so let's just take a few seconds and just tune in to what's already been happening, what God has already been doing. Celebrating with you this step of faith. Um, we talked yesterday, the devil has done everything he can to get you to not do this. And uh, you're here, you're in the water. So she's leaving right after this to go to work, which is pretty awesome that you took this step and then are going to go waitress. Um, but this step of baptism is not the end of your spiritual journey. In many ways, it's the beginning, saying that I'm going to start and commit my life to following Christ. And as a church, anyone who's here, we are so excited for you. And I was joking with your dad. I was like, I'm pretty excited. I've already got to baptize half his kids. So <laughs> we're going to keep it going down the line. Um, but because of your profession of faith and because you have solely surrendered your life to Christ and are walking in relationship with him, it's my honor, Lexi, to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.
That's why we do it, right? Zero lives unchanged. That's what it's all about. So today, it takes a lot of work to, to get this empty. And so we said, let's just leave it up. So if that is your step, I'm not going to stand here and manipulate you. I'm just going to go back to my seat. And you're like, yep, I need to get baptized. I don't know maybe all what that means or maybe you still have questions, but that's your next step. I would invite you to be bold and courageous. Step out, get in the water, kick your shoes off. We got towels and shirts and a bunch of stuff to help take care of at least the top half of your body afterwards. But maybe it's something else. Maybe it's uh, sharing your faith. Maybe it's starting to serve. Maybe it's something else that that as Jeff was speaking, that God was stirring in your heart. We just want to give you a few minutes to respond. And so the band's going to lead. If baptism your step, walk on up here and do it. Um, and I would love to do it. But if it's something else, use this moment. Don't just leave and move on without seizing this moment and really leaning into what God's doing in your heart right now.